0: Yo, yo, yo. We are back. It's Howl History. This is Derek. That's Chad. We're here to talk about the Timberwolves again. Chad, how you doing? Good. How are you doing, man? I'm doing pretty well. It's uh, Thursday evening. I just came back from my daughter's basketball practice, so I've seen some pretty good basketball recently. Better yeah, but, than the Wolves? I don't know. Our <laughs> Wolves team has been looking more competitive lately. They're not getting last blown out night- nightly.
1: Last night's game was one of the most fun games I had. and I mean, to be honest, I was trying to think back how many years ago it was that i had that much fun watching a game so
0: well i mean we've had some good performances lately even the lakers game where they lost by eight or so was it was a fun performance yep. especially watching ant do what he was doing so yep. uh we've had a lot of these these uh podcast episodes where we've come on just downtrodden from six you know meaningless blowout losses you know maybe one win in there and you know that's not the, the case tonight the, the record hasn't Dramatically improved, but they've had a tough the tough schedule lately. They played Toronto and they won that game. They lost to L.A. They kept that close, and then they lost in overtime to Indiana over these last three games. So as as a tough schedule, those a you know two really good Eastern Conference teams, and then you know the defending champion out of the West. So um, I don't think anybody would have expected a winning record out of those games. But the fact that they kept them close, the fact that they were rolling, you know, in spite of the bad news since we recorded last of D'Angelo Russell being out four to six weeks after having a surgery on on his knee. So um, the Timberwolves aren't aren't at full strength once again, and it doesn't feel like they're ever going to be at full strength to actually get a good feel for what the, they're going to be like long term. But but it's been more fun for, for sure.
1: Yeah, the outlook changes drastically when Towns is on the floor. Mm-hmm. It's like so weird because it goes from before Towns came back, there was very few guys I was had much high hopes for outside the, the obvious ones of like Anthony Edwards and mm-hmm. um, Jaden McDaniels and a couple guys like that. But you know, like I was so down on Ricky, his play, yeah. um, all these different guys. Right. And then talents comes back. And then I'm, I was like literally going through the, in my head last night while I was watching, I'm like, I don't want to see any of these guys leave this team. Like I don't, you know, all the guys that were playing now, the guys that aren't playing now, yep. they're easy to, it's easy to say, you know, Wancho didn't play layman didn't play. Um, Culver has been hurt. So those to me, it's like, okay, if you're going to make a move for somebody, those, those are your guys Mm -hmm. that you're looking to maybe shop because the guys that started last night, well, Beasley didn't start because of showing up late, but normally he'd be in your starting rotation. And then, you know, getting Jaden McDaniels in that six man rotation, um, that group looks like you have something and they're so ridiculously young still that to me you know those other guys are the ones that are sort of on the chopping block if you're looking to make a move I mean they might be content to just kind of rolling with what they got to see what they have because you know what are you going to do at the trade deadline this year that's going to really tell you anything yeah you're not pushing
0: for the playoffs at this point it's just a matter of do you need to clear some room moving forward and are any of the players that you have pieces that could that are either expiring and you want to get a second round pick for, or you want to identify a team that could use their skill set in a way that we're not using because we're trying to go young again. You know, it's just, you try to find the mich- yeah, them. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's hard to imagine them going after a, a specific type of player right now when, when they don't know what Dilo and Towns yeah. look like together yet. Cause they still have only played five games despite Towns coming back now. And then, um, you know, those other guys, I mean, I think you're starting to figure out your power forward spot with Vanderbilt and Jaden McDaniels. Mm-hmm. Um, so that might mean uh, Jake Lehman and Wancho are more expendable. Um, but like in Wancho's case, what's his value at this point? Because yeah.
0: Who's trading? Barely for that? Played,
1: yeah. He's barely played this year. And when he did, he's not looked good outside. They should have traded him after the Denver game if that was what they were going to do. So, um, yeah, it's tricky because, uh, you know, what do mm-hmm. you? what do you really know about this team that you can make a move for the future other than just a pick? Like you said, if it's, you know, trading for a second round pick, trading a Jake Lehman to a playoff team who is down a guy for a second round pick or something like that. Yeah. Um, not that I want to see Jake Lehman go, cause he's actually played pretty well this year when he's gotten in there and mm-hmm. he's a good guy to have. If uh, Vanderbilt goes down or McDaniels um, go to down or something like that. But
0: yeah, this team has proven nothing except that you need to have depth for injuries because we've just been dealing with it all year. So, yeah. I, I assume that the NBA is waiting to pull the trigger on a Malik Beasley suspension for the day that uh, D'Angelo Russell comes back, just so we can never actually see our team together. But, uh, but that's not why we're here tonight. Tonight we decided, since we have done so much discussion about expansions, expansion teams, expansion drafts, that we are going. We wanted to know uh, and figure out what we would do if we had to protect eight players off of this roster for an upcoming expansion draft, assuming we get to the end of this year. The NBA says, you know what? We're putting a team in Seattle and they get to start immediately they have an arena they're calling we're calling them the supersonics and they're going to get a player from every team in the league or every team in the league has to leave some players uh, unprotected who would we protect if we only got to protect eight players because traditionally that's been the number so uh, chad and i kind of tiered our players we put them into different rankings in terms of Do we think they're at risk? What's their best value to the team now versus long term? How does their contract fit in? And uh, we haven't shared our list with each other. Uh, We're excited to find out. Hopefully we got a little bit controversial here and we we have a little bit, a couple differences. But um, Chad, you ready to to get this started? I am. All right. So I have have two players put in a category called the pillars. And I'm wondering if you would have the, the same thing and if you could name them.
1: I think I can name them. Um, and I have, I don't have them in quite the same category as you, but I do have four guys that were really easy for me to say, Okay. there's no way I'm going to protect them. But I will say your pillars are Cat
0: yeah. and Anthony Edwards. That's true. It's Cat and Anthony Edwards. We'll start with Cat. So Cat is essentially averaging his career numbers this year. You know, For his career, he's 23 and 12 with three assists and one and a half blocks and a forty percent three point shooter. And this year he's twenty two and eleven with three assists, two blocks and a forty-three percent three point shooter. So he's he is the cat that we know, at least on offense. Um, you know, one less point, one less rebound. He was a stalwart on defense for the first couple games before fracturing his wrist. And he's been his his defensive intensity has looked improved this year i'm not sure if the numbers have entirely backed him up ever since he's been back um but he's definitely the the thing that pulls this entire game together uh just a couple more notes he is second all time on the team in win shares already at 51.5 um and that's only behind kevin garnett who's at 139.8 so i don't know if carl anthony towns will ever reach the kevin garnett level of uh of success uh with the timberwolves but he's he's second he's the second best player we've ever had at this point he was he was in second by his fifth year in the league so not a long and storied history for the timberwolves um and with his 30 point and 10 rebound game last night he now has 57 of those which is second only once again behind kevin garnett who has 64 for the timberwolves so um he's having a great season he's an all-star if he play if he's healthy and you have him for three more years and it's just a matter of can we turn this around can we make it a successful team with him? and i think there's still enough time on his contract that you have to assume that we can do it
1: yeah and i mean i I still think the guy is underrated if if it's even possible i mean you know yeah i know a lot's been said about his defense but i mean how how fair is it to judge a guy on the defense when he's had literally four different guys around him on almost any given night Mm -hmm. all every year he's played i mean it's the the rosters have shuffled so much since he's been here coaches have shuffled i mean it's the guy's gone through it you know i mean it's not too many star players can say that their career started as you know in is with as much turmoil as carl anthony towns career so the fact that just a couple years ago he was the number one guy that coaches said they would start a franchise with and now it's almost like he's almost an afterthought people don't even talk about him anymore i think the guy's still incredibly underrated um, and I mean, yeah, to me, he's, he's one of, one of the best big men we've ever seen. So I don't know how you not, don't protect them. You know? Yeah.
0: I mean, according to cleaning, cleaning the grass, according, according to cleaning the glass, that was a tricky sentence. I'm going to say that five times fast later, but according to cleaning the glass.com, uh, Towns is, you know, the Timberwolves are 11.3 points per possession better when Towns is on the floor versus when he's off the floor. And that's the second best mark of his career, after only the the playoff team in 2018. So, uh, the, the impact that he's having on this team is, you know, is he's astronomical. He's the best player that we have. He's the second best player we've ever had, and to discount that would be silly.
1: Yeah, I concur. Yeah, and you know, I would like. I haven't looked it up, but I, I'd be interested to see how many different starting lineups just this year he's played with, mm-hmm. because. It's you know it seems I mean like last night was weird because Beasley was late to shoot around so he didn't start and McDaniel started in his place so that was another lineup change that he has to get used to so it's it's really strange how things have unfolded for him and then the whole D'Lo getting hurt when he gets back I mean that's it's like you can't make it up it's just it's it's crazy but yeah I I, I mean I think if you're taking the over to the Timberwolves team any GM in the NBA would
0: that be the first guy they protect I don't think that's really there's there's really no debate there I don't think no you I mean you would never let him walk for nothing no matter what so no I'm not he was never in consideration but he's he's obviously in this top tier and it not as clearly in the top tier but almost there as Anthony Edwards you know I don't I don't know if preseason, if we would have said that same thing because I think we were still kind of in even especially before the draft we were in what can we trade this pick for what can we get for it can we right. package him for a booker for a a Ben Simmons and if they come calling, I mean, that's still a conversation that needs to be had. But if you had a Booker or Ben Simmons, they'd be in this top tier too. So, right, right. Um, so Anthony Edwards has taken over as you know in the starting lineup. He's started the last twelve games. Um, I don't have the numbers included for the last game, but the previous eleven, he was averaging seventeen and a half points, five rebounds, three and a half assists, with you know forty-four percent from the floor, thirty-six percent from three, and uh, you know that. L.A. game where he scored a career-high 28 points. He had five rebounds, five assists, five threes, two blocks. Like he just had a, a coming-out party against LeBron James and the L.A. Lakers. And I think everybody's is seeing right now his potential and what he could mean to this team, especially as a, a number one option wing scorer, which we just have almost never had.
1: Right, and he's such a fun kid. I mean, his yeah. personality is awesome. He's the his style of play is box office. He's just he's fun to watch. I mean, he had two two charging calls to go against them in the Mm -hmm. LA game where both of them, one was um, LeBron and the other one was uh, Caruso or whatever his name is. And, and they, he, I mean, took off from almost free throw line and his knee was up around their chin level (laughs) both (laughs) times. And you're just like, man, can he get up there? You know? And it's just, it's so fun to see. Um, So get, I mean, he's, it's so frustrating on the other hand that the, the guy gets no attention nationally. Mm. I mean, it's all LaMelo all the time. And LaMelo's been great. He's been better than I expected him to be, to be honest. But, you know, I don't know how – I don't know what Edwards schedule. That's the one thing that bummed me out about the end of last night's game against Indiana is because after the Laker game, Mm -hmm. you know, he hits that three in LeBron's face and, you know, he had the coming out party, as you said. And then last night's game, he had a couple big plays down the stretch that helped us get back, you know, to to the lead. And then ultimately he had the last shot in regulation that – I mean it's that can that went down farther than any shot I've ever seen that ended up not going all the way down. It was <laughs> like so it, close. It was so crazy. And if he would have hit the buzzer beater, yep. a night after his shot against LeBron and playing against LeBron the way he did. Today that's All Sports Center would have been probably yep. is you know all by Anthony Edwards. So I felt bad for that more than the win. You know, it's like whatever. this is a lost season. I don't care about the win so much. I just felt bad for Edwards that that was such a close moment for him becoming he that was a superstar yeah. moment. Yeah, it was so close. So, um, bummer for him, but so so you had you had your those two guys were your top two pillars.
0: I had them in a tier of their own. The next okay. two I also had in, in a category called the no brainers. So, we might have okay. the same guys here. I I'm, I'm intrigued though to know if they are the same two guys. So, I want you to let me know who you got. Okay,
1: so my t- and I have these two as no brainers for me. They're the same tier okay. as Yep. And not saying they're as good as Towns or, or Edwards or as valuable as them, but I put them as just as important to this franchise. And the first one is Malik Beasley, okay. And that's on one hand because his contract now looks like a you know highway robbery. We, we stole him because mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. he's he's been our second best player even when D'Lo was healthy. He was better, and I don't think there's any evidence that he's going to slow down from that. Um, I think he's going to, I think this is just who he is. He's showed it the last 21 games or whatever last year after the trade. And every game this year, he's been that guy. He's our most clutch player, I think. Um, He's the guy, he can score at any level. He he plays extremely hard on defense. He's not a good defensive player, but I think he can get better if you get other guys around him and, and they can get some unity together where they can just buy into a system i think he can be a more competent defensive player um but all that aside that that's even as a stance of who he is today and he's still only 24 years old and at the contract he's at i like you, you can't let him go no um he has, you can't replace yeah. a guy like that for the same salary
0: he has three part. more years left after this one and even that if the contract has any sort of a value is something that it would put him high on this list because you have the control he's not going anywhere and especially with the team option in that in that final year of his contract it's just so super friendly at this point. And and check this. He after the trade last year when he came over to Minnesota he played 14 games. He averaged 33 minutes a game and his his running averages are 20.7 points, 5.1 rebounds and 1.9 assists. And we all kind of said he was a flamethrower during those fourteen games. We have to sign him to a contract assuming he's not gonna keep that up and just hope that he's eighty percent of that player moving forward right. because that was we're, more we're, that was more than he'd end, ever been able to produce in the past and we just didn't see
1: that being sustainable. Yeah, we thought maybe at the beginning of the season a seventeen point per game guy, yeah. you know, would yep. be about 80 percent of what he was at the end of the last year.
0: So he walks in this year, he's played twenty nine games, he's at thirty two and a half minutes, which is half a minute less than he was playing last year. 20 point9 points 4.9 rebounds and two and a half assists so he's almost literally the same player as he was during his flamethrowing 14 games last year and the only difference is that his three-point percentage has gone down about 25 percent but he's still a 40 percent three-point shooter right he, he just happened to be 42 and a half in the, at the end of last year so he has kept it up this is now the player that he is and he's one of the best shooters in the NBA and I don't think that's I think that's undeniable
1: Yep. And, and more than just shooter. I mean, there's not too many other elite shooters in the NBA that can score at all the different levels. He can score. I mean, mm-hmm. he's a, he's one of the best finishers at the rim, you know, on this team. Um and you know, he, like you you just don't see I mean Zach Levine's probably his closest comp when I was looking because they had I mean, I think Beasley just passed him in total three pointers last sure. night. Yep. Um, for the for the season, but they're rare right on the same level and, and Levine can obviously dunk and he can finish, but um just you know, you, we've, we've gotten to see a lot of games out of both those guys. And I, I love Levine, but I like Beasley so much better because I think Beasley's got a better feel for the game. And I think Levine has a little bit more, I mean, Levine's in a position where he's the alpha in Chicago, yep. where if you put Beasley in that spot, I think Beasley even shines even more. I think he's probably a 27 point per game guy, mm-hmm. 28 even maybe in, in Chicago if he was there right now and say that there was a swap for Levine. So... Um and then I don't Levine still makes more so, you know Beasley is just I don't I just don't I can't say enough good things about the guy.
0: No, I mean he's he's got warts which any player that isn't a superstar does, but you have to look past almost all of them with what he is producing and what he has given the team. So yeah, all right. And he
1: wants wants more burden on him like he's he was he made the comment last week that was got around town that he was frustrated about his playing time, which, you know, after we did our last history podcast and we're talking about 55 minutes in the (laughs) game or 53 minutes in the game for Ty Corbin in the overtime game, we're like, come on, Ryan, you know. Yeah, just give him a few more. 20 years ago, they were playing 50 minutes a game. You can't give him five more minutes. (laughs)
0: He's got the legs for it. Yeah. So, all right, who's your number four guy? My four guy is Jaden McDaniels. All right, we're the same so far.
1: I love this guy so much to the point where I almost like him better than Ant. I mean, one he he plays a style that I enjoy more. Mm-hmm. He's more of a, um fill up the box score. He doesn't just do a couple things really really well. He does everything pretty well, right? And, yeah. Um, I think he's got. I think he's a better defensive player than Ant. He's um, he's just as fearless as Ant. He doesn't have the charisma that Ant has, uh, but just on court stuff, he's got a silky smooth jumper already for a taller guy. He's um, I just I love him. I mean, he's a, and he's a steal. Obviously, his contract makes him impossible to let go as well because um, he's on a rookie deal and we just draft and stuff. So to me, that's what made him a no brainer for, you know, I kind of coupled on court production talent, you know um, the potential and then what their contract is. And that's kind of how I evaluated my untouchables. So that's kind of how I had my four guys first four.
0: Yeah. Once again, he's a rookie. So he's on a rookie scale contract. He's a first round pick. So we have him for at least four years. And typically if, if a team wants a rookie if they want to keep them they have them for a minimum of seven years no matter what happens so mm-hmm. um his, his contract won't be as low it is forever but it'll be low for the next three years He's he was a late first round pick so he's going to be on a cheap deal he's going to help the team round out the roster around towns and, and russell and the high contracts that they have and his numbers aren't eye-popping i mean per per game he's only at five and a half points and just over three rebounds but you know, per 36, it's 10 and a half points and 6.4 rebounds, 1.9 assists, 2.1 blocks, you know, so he's, his impact, though, goes beyond just the numbers, because he's, he's proving that he can play in multiple roles in multiple ways, and he can fit exactly the different types of players that this team needs next to the players that they already have, you know, a guy that doesn't have the ball in their hands, and can make, you know, open shots and also play defense. So, you know, we've been asking for that player forever. We've been looking at Jonathan Isaac down in Orlando, and I think everybody was like, if we could put Jonathan Isaac here as a power forward, that'd just be the perfect fit because, you know, he could fit next to towns, he'd play defense and cover up those, you know, those awards, but also, you know, on defense, he could be a rim runner. And I don't know if McDaniels is a rim runner quite yet, because as we you and I were texting last night during the game, and the guy probably weighs 150 pounds soaking wet at, you know, at six foot nine, but you know, he's got the shot, uh, you know, uh, at Threesley on a, uh, twitter posted today that he's 22 for 58 so far this year on catch and shoot threes good for 38 so you know it if he can be a power forward that can make 40 percent of his catch and shoot threes that would expand in the the offense in, incredibly and he leads all rookies in net rating you know in his impact on the floor for the the on-off numbers and his the impact that he makes so he is just you know stepping in immediately. And I don't think anybody saw him being a year one contributor. He no, was going to be a no. two three year project to put some weight on to yeah, come in the system. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And to me, I texted you last night who you remind me of is like a poor man's Andre Karolenko. I mm-hmm. mean, he, 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 might he probably will never get the block shots that Karolenko did because the games change. You're, you know, you don't block as many shots at the three point line and teams are taking a, a, a billion percent more three point shots yeah. at, per game than they did even just 10 years ago when Karolinko was still around. And, um, but he has a similar build to Karolinko. I mean, uh, you know, like I said, I, I don't think you see him as being as good as Karolinko. But if he can be that 13, 14 point per game guy, I'll, you know, as a starter on this mm-hmm. team long term. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, he's skinny. He needs to put on some weight. But I kind of sent you that Photoshop mm-hmm. I did of him and KG next to each other. KG's a rookie. They don't look that dissimilar. I mean, KG was a lot broader. He had bigger shoulders, which would allow him to add more weight. And it is kind of. KG looked skinny when he retired, but then when you, you have to go back and look and like, oh yeah, KG was a lot skinnier yeah. as a rookie yeah. than he was, you know, as a veteran. And um so who knows if McDaniels can do that but, but Kevin Durant's not built much different. His shoulders are about the same as McDaniels. So they're that that's a, a guy you can model after in terms of, you know, what kind of weight he could put on. He might be built more like Durant than Garnett. Um, but yeah, just a terrific find. I mean, I think Rose has killed the draft this year. I think both those guys were Bulls or Harvey, say his name. It turns <laughs> out to be anything. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's what a great year for, a you know, for Rosas.
0: Yeah. I mean, Rosas, I think to this point, is it's tough because it feels like two steps forward and one step back, which you would like to see three steps forward. I don't think any front of, front office nails every no. single one of no. their moves. So it, unfortunately, some of the, except for the ant pick, some of the largest, you know, broadcasted or marketed moves that they've made, you know, have not been, the ones that lived up to the hype, you know, the D'Angelo Russell trade hasn't turned out the way that you would hope it had so far, largely because they haven't had a healthy team. And the Jared Culver either. pick wasn't exactly what they right. want. No, Culver the Culver one's the biggest, the biggest black guy to me. Yeah. The, the uh,
1: D'Angelo one, I don't think is, I think it's just, it's a neutral move right now. Like, I don't think it's necessarily good or bad from where we were. I, I would still rather have D'Lo than Wiggins. I would rather have D'Lo, at the money he's getting paid, then Wiggins at the money he's getting paid, but it's it's kind
0: of a push. Yeah, right? I mean that one's still TBD depending on what happens with the pick this year. So right, but on the flip side of what he did last year, he also signed guys like Nas Reed. Well, that's Jordan the thing. Yeah,
1: and those ones were killer moves, you know. And um, yeah, Culver was looks like a, not a great pick, but I also think they got he got had on that one. I mm. you know I really do think they wanted Garland. That's why they traded Dario. And they didn't have a plan B. They were so convinced that they had him yep. that they were going to get Garland at five. And and they got, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: they just got caught without a, uh, a backup plan. And so he took the next West guy, but I don't, I really don't think Culver was ever the guy in their plans. No. I mean, maybe they liked him, but I, I just, I really thought that they, Garland was who they were really going to be after. And who knows if Garland would have worked out here either. So it might not, it might all be moved, but um but yeah, Culver just seems like that, especially now. You know, now you got a kind of a rotation, and and you know, you get you see what Edwards looks like, and Beasley at, on the wings, and you know, you still have Okogie as a defensive stopper. It's just like, well, where do you put Culver? Culver's more expensive than Okogie. He doesn't really do anything particularly better than Okogie. They're mm-hmm. kind of similar, so you know, it's um, tough. Yep. Yeah.
0: So, but yeah, these last two players we talked about, Beasley and McDaniel's, are two of the hits for this front office, and the contract that Beasley's on and the pick of McDaniel's have definitely turned out to be. Uh, positive value for the team and that's that's great moving forward so all right we're, we have four of our eight spots filled and now is going to come hopefully some disagreement between us Chad because it's been way too uh, chummy chummy around here so far so <laughs> uh, I have I have three players in a category called the semi locks which are okay. players who I think are a tier above the rest um, they are not in that core group of those first four though Okay. So let's uh, let's go one by one, and you let me or I, let's go one you know each one of them, and then you let me know if you would put them in your top eight. Okay, so, and I have two
1: in my next here. So okay. so far you'll have you have um you had two in your first and three in this one, so you have five, and I have four and two. So we're we're almost equal through two two stages of our yep. <laughs> the way we set it up.
0: Right. So we, we both had the same first four players, and now I've got three more. You got two. So let's see how it goes here. So I actually have as my next player Nasreed. I think I, that if you had to protect somebody, especially considering contract and the role that they have to fill with the improvements he's shown this year, I don't I don't know how you could not keep him on, around on this team. He's got two more years at the minimum after this one. He's improved uh, tremendously this year. I mean, I take it back. The eye test would say he's improved tremendously this year and even though his rebounding percentages assist percentage steal percentage are all down his turnover percentage is up so you you look across the board at the numbers and you're like i don't know exactly where that improvement's coming from except it's all coming from his shooting his field goal percentage is up 11 percent. his three-point percentage is up four percent free throw percentage is up three percent and then he's blocking more shots at the rim but so i mean like the numbers are kind of up and down but just in watching the guy he's improved by leaps and bounds this year
1: when he's lost a bunch of weight and yep. you can see that by watching him and then he's the hustle that wasn't there last year. He's mm-hmm. diving for loose balls like out of bounds and crashing yep. on the on the floor to get them in. So the, yeah, I, I mean, I liked him a lot last year. Yeah. I like him more this year. Um and I I mean, he's the prototypical modern era big man. I mean, he takes no mid-range. I think he's only taken one mid-range shot in his career. Right so far and the rest are either at the rim or from mm-hmm. three point and so he, he's i mean ryan almost has to do no coaching with him um so he fits that perfectly he he can ha- he can go off to some big rebounding nights but that's not i mean that's probably the weakest strength. part of his game right yeah, now as yeah, a center right.
0: he needs to rebound the ball better correct but he's also um, a center backup center making the minimum right who is a right a a, a respectable man's Carl and Anthony Towns for what he puts out in the on their on the floor. He lets the team well, play it, the same system even when Towns is on the bench, which is just invaluable to what they're trying to implement right now.
1: Yeah, especially with all the games Towns misses, yep. you know. Um, and Jim Pete said I think last week or week before during a game, I don't remember I didn't write it down, but he, he actually made comment it was a good Nasreed game and he said the Timberwolves might have two top twenty centers already on this roster in Nasreed and Towns. And I was sitting there thinking like in in the style of play the way the NBA mm-hmm. likes to play right now, it's hard to find guys that would take Nas's spot in the top 20. I mean, it's obviously Towns is a lock, top 20 center, yeah. but he's a top five center, probably top six. Um, but Nas is, I mean, he's he's right in that top. I think Pete's right. It sounded ludicrous when I when he yeah. first said it. I was like, and I was thinking, trying to think of 20 guys that I'd take over him, and I couldn't come up with. 20. 20 like Well, I came now with...
0: you're gonna make me go through and look after after we were finished <laughs> recording to see if i could come up with a list but
1: yeah off the top of my head i came up with like 14 at the time and i'm sure i missed a couple but yeah i don't know that i missed six so
0: <laughs> so yeah i mean i have him at, in that fifth spot and i'm not saying he's the fifth best player on the team by any right. means but if you can if you have that Although, much money could make in... that
1: argument too i mean he it's might possible be... i mean but yeah. if you
0: have that much money in your starting center you don't want to put a lot of money in your backup center especially if they're not going to play a ton of minutes and Nas at the minimum is the perfect fit there and you you can't let that go i mean he he won't be the minimum forever so you got at least two more years but it it's been a great find especially he might be one of the best undrafted players ever by the time he finishes out if he continues improving so who's who's second in your tier here
1: my second is kind of an odd one because he's only on a two-way contract and that's jordan McLaughlin.
0: i didn't have him in there so
1: that's our first disagreement. I Well, maybe not disagreement, but first difference, at least. I I really like McLaughlin. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we get through the rest of the list, i will probably make more sense on why I protected him. But I just think, again, I think we can lock him up for really cheap. And I texted you last night. I just wish they would just get that done, give him a layman-like deal and yeah. just get him for four years or something. Um, because, A, I think he earned it. B, I think he's going to be worth way more than that. By this time next year, mm-hmm. when his team starts to figure out how good this guy is, um, he's not a—he's not who you want to start 82 games for yet. But if he has to start 15, 20 games, I think you can roll with him. Um, but he's an awesome backup point guard. Yeah. Um, and so I, I—I I mean, he's got a great personality. He's a great fit for this team. He and Nas Reed are got great chemistry together. So you know, off the there's so many reasons both on and off the court that I think he just works, whether it's his contract, whether it's his personality, whether it's his his chemistry with Nas and his ability on the floor. I, like, I just really like him. And, I, I mean, again, and he's also really cheap. So you don't – you have to protect – when you have really expensive players on your team, you also have to protect some of the cheaper ones you in do. order to yep. to not make, put yourself in trouble on filling out your roster. So.
0: See, and I, w- I considered him, and I thought about it, but I just – I don't even – I don't have him in my top eight because – I, number one, I don't think he'd be selected. I don't think even if you don't. didn't protect him, I don't think he would sure. go. Mainly because of the fact that he's just he's entering into another year of restricted free agency, so you don't have a guaranteed hold on him heading into next year. And it is possible for expansion teams to take players ending and in, heading into the end of their contract; like they can renegotiate and figure that out. But um, he's heading into restricted free agency again. He doesn't have a contract at the end of this year, um, and as Impressive as he has been, I mean, it's he's only played 900 career minutes and his field goal percentage is under 40% this year. And I'm not, I don't want to take away like all the good things that he does, but a player that is not incredibly young, who has, doesn't have a track record in the NBA and has never. Played more than 500 minutes in a season is tough to really set as one of one of the top eight for me. And I really like Jordan McLaughlin. I wish he had a contract, and I think it's a kind of a raw deal for him that he doesn't. But I think the Timberwolves are not a front office that are going to give away any advantage that they can get in terms of team building or roster building. So they're going to hold on to that restricted free agency heading into next year and see if they can continue to keep him around at a at a low contract. So um, I like him. I just I, I couldn't put him in the in in my top eight. So
1: yeah, I. I mean, there's a couple guys that are like him on this team that I, I really like. It's just the way it worked out based on of it. He he was my guy for
0: the –
1: I mean, I, I have him in my top six. Mm-hmm, so.
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I, I get it. I mean, I if you had asked me which players I would like to keep around and which players I would like to just keep watching, he's definitely in there because I think he's earned it and I think he's a fun player. But I don't know if I'm building the team, if I'm putting him uh, in that list. So I think that's a tough one. I think it's definitely a, a controversial one, but it would be a tough one for me. Okay. So, but I still ha, I still have two more guys in my semi-locks and apparently we're moving into your next tier here of question a lot of question marks.
1: Yeah, potentially. Yeah, maybe maybe my last two don't fit in yours. We'll see.
0: It's possible. I've, so I've got Jared Vanderbilt next. Okay. Um I you know, he only had 115 total minutes in his first two seasons in the league and he's already played 517 this year. So, he's played even less minutes than Jordan McLaughlin.
1: But which is exactly what I was just going to retort. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going to say, "Hey, this here's a guy that just well the same situation as McLaughlin because i and like you vanderbilt's not in my top 8 sure <laughs> for similar reasons
0: yeah. so so i mean the problem is that he, he's a restricted free agent as well heading into the off season, so you don't have him on a long on the same sh- small contract that you have him on right now so i get that that's kind of a knock on him but he's if he had played enough minutes already this year he'd be in the top 5 in the league in steal percentage he'd be right there with guys like Marcus Smart, Drew Holiday, OG Ananobi yeah his his hands are just incredible for the position position that he plays and he also is sixth on the team in assist percentage behind all three point guards towns and edwards so his ability to to move the ball for a player who never needs to have it in their hands is is very impressive and i just love the fact the energy that he plays with the fact that he can not demand the ball on a team that of shooters and just kind of play the role that he has so i think that the fit that he has is just it's not as necessary as mcdaniels is long term but i think right now and for the next couple of years i think he's going to play a large role in this team in terms of that power forward rotation and i just i can't i don't know if i can say the same thing about mclaughlin and being a top two player at his possession on on our team
1: so it's interesting because okay so vanderbilt was on the bubble with another player that when we get to him i'll explain mm-hmm. why but um for me it what's what i find interesting about your picks versus mine here is part of the reason why i didn't protect him is I've already protected three big men in Towns, mm-hmm. Nas, and McDaniels. And so now you've protected four big men in a guard-laden league. Yep. Um, and so it's an interesting strategy there, right? So, Which well, is where, why part of the reason why I protected McLaughlin is, even though I know he's not my starter, he can be my spot starter. But if I'm building still and I'm looking for my true number two star, it might be at a guard position that... It, I, my bigs are already locked up. I already have all my, my my bigs of the future are Towns and McDaniels with Nas as a backup. So that was part of what went into my thinking of why I took Vanderbilt out of my top eight. Mm-hmm. I also think, like you with McLaughlin, that I think Vanderbilt wouldn't be picked up by another team. Sure. Um, just because I don't think he does enough to – I think he's a, a great hustle player and he does all the small things. But I don't think other teams are seeing that. Because the wolves are, I mean, geez, Anthony Edwards can't even get any love nationally for what mm-hmm. he's doing. So mm-hmm. I don't know how anybody's really paying attention enough to know what Vanderbilt's doing. So to me, I think we can sneak him under the radar um, by leaving him unprotected and still be able to bring him back. So
0: yeah, we'll have to go through at the end of this and see who we left unprotected, and then make predictions as to who we think would actually be the pick. Because I don't, yeah. I don't think the list is that impressive once we get past our top eight. So the, no, right, it, to the terms that guys like McLaughlin and. uh Vanderbilt would clearly go unprotect or go through the right. the ringer there. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I like I said, I I have four bigs in my uh, top six here, but at the same time, I just don't know if our guards are that good. So, <laughs> I think that's that's kind of why I I've entered that position. So, if we have a, a four man big rotation with the guys that I put in there, I'm, I'm confident that we've got those two positions locked up. So, um, but I also have Probably the guy I went back and forth the most on um, in this semi-lock position coming up next as a guard, and that's D'Angelo Russell. I put him in my top eight. I Entering into this exercise, I didn't know if I would. I really wondered if, given the opportunity, would I leave him unprotected and just clear his cap, clear his spot from the, from the team, and just start over and you have Edwards be the main ball handler, keep Ricky as the starting point guard and just kind of just see where this team can go without him. And just, Beasley could handle the ball. I mean, Beasley. Yeah. I don't know if I want Beasley as an, a primary ball handler, but at the same time, he has the ability to, to be that secondary ball handler. And it's just kind of, as I went through this, I, I really wondered if that's what was going to happen, but I just couldn't do it. I I looked at the rest of the roster and I just couldn't think of many players that I would put ahead of him for the, for who was remaining. So um, I think if you're going to put together a team and you're going to try to protect players who are going to give you the, not only the best team now, but the best assets moving forward to put together a winner, whether it's via their play on the floor or what they can bring back via trade, and I think you got to keep Russell.
1: So I Russell's the one. I don't have him in my top eight, and yeah. a lot of the reasons you you said, the, the primary reason for me is I think he's safe. I don't think an expansion team's going to commit to almost $30 million for D'Angelo, who hasn't yet, proven he can be the alpha on uh, a a Nets team or a Wolves team or a Lakers team. So I just think he's safe. And so I'm going to roll the dice, do him unprotected. If they take him, eh, now I cleared almost $30 million off the books. I can go out and get somebody else. Uh, I can trade for somebody, um, you know, whatever. And I have have room to maneuver now. Um, So I, I kind of, I like Russell. In fact, I think I probably even like him better than you do yeah. as a player but i i because his his contract to me is still more than what his value on the court is i think he's a safe unprotected player so that's that was yeah. my logic it was it has less to do with him as a player because i do i think he's better than mclaughlin i do but i think mclaughlin's riskier to leave unprotected because he's cheap and it's right you know easy easy to absorb on an expansion team if he doesn't pan out he doesn't pan out it didn't hamstring your team for four four years yeah i mean like i said i get
0: it i mean the the first bullet point i have under d'angelo russell's name is 47 question marks because i just don't even know what we have (laughs) in him yet it's last year when he came over the team was 9.9 points per 100 possessions better when he was on the floor and this year they're 13.8 points per 100 possessions worse with him on the floor he's at almost career lows in assist percentage and rebound percentage he's doing nothing but shooting he's you know near the top of the league in usage rate and it's just I I understand most of that came during a time in the season when Carl Anthony Towns was not on the floor. They weren't running the system that they needed to run. Everybody was trying to figure out how to play, and he was just being asked to drive the offense when he was out there. So, I I don't know. It's, it's hard. But for that's me not to that even, different. Yeah,
1: not that different than this year either, right? Like
0: so. His, I mean, I mean that is this year. So it's just kind not of not like. A, well, yeah. last year was the same position. He was in the same boat. Right? It was, and he made the team better, but they were still a bad, you know, a bad right. team at that right. point. So I think, as we've said everybody on the team looks worse when carl anthony towns isn't out there but we're entering into a real question mark period now where are is the growth of these other players the ones that we're going to rely on in the future going to be stunted when d'angelo russell comes back and i think that's the bigger question more so than his contract they can afford to keep him at his contract they're not in the luxury tax they can they can duck it if they need to they can figure that out it's just a matter of does russell coming back stunt anthony edwards growth does it make it so that Jalen Noel no longer has a position on this team is it dropping Malik Beasley from a 21 point a game score to a 16 point a game score because he can't get the ball in his hands it's just you know we were talking last night can a can a team support four twenty point 20 point per game scorers if Ant grows into that and that hasn't happened since the Lakers in 1970 so there's they can't that's not going to be a thing and it, it just isn't a thing in the NBA there's not enough basketball to go around so I think for me it's it's more so can he fit with the rest of the players that have proven themselves in a role or is he going to come back and demand to be focused on the way that he always has been so and i think that fit is a bigger question for me than his even his salary is so i have him in i've got him in my list and i think you've got it you've got to see what happens but but yeah i i agonized over that one a bit
1: yep yeah and that's the biggest reason why i left him off my
0: mm-hmm.
1: my top eight was because his contract is worth that contract slot is worth more than what he's been so far on the court but if nobody takes him i'm happy too because then i you know i have my other pillar that i can still try to figure out pieces around but um you know that contract for what he provides
0: just makes him a gamble for me that
1: i'm willing to take so
0: okay so i i've named seven on my list and i think you've named six who would be your seventh guy on your list
1: so I'll try to go with the one that I think you may also have, but may not, but will be less controversial first. And I protected Ricky Rubio. And it's not so much because of what Rubio has done this year, because mm-hmm. it's been largely awful. Um, but it's because he's an expiring deal that I think that deal might be worth something. And then, I know, we didn't talk about the rules for this little sort of game mm-hmm. we're playing, um, whether or not, if I protect him, is it is it really, am I protecting him for this coming season, which I wouldn't even... Have him anymore on the team anyway. So, is that, so? Rubio's got there? one
0: more year on his contract after this season. That's so true. He'd You're be right around. Yep. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yep. So, so, yeah, so I have that expiring deal that I can potentially trade, or if the, another team snatches Russell from me because I left him unprotected, mm-hmm. well, now I have Ricky as my starter. So, um, I try to kind of hedge my bets and. Protect the guy that I think could bring more back. And, and it's not because I think Ricky's better than Delo. It's because that expiring deal is worth more, I think, on the open market than what Delo would be another one to be kind of hard to trade right now to get equal return back. I yep. mean, you might be able to trade him for a Rubio level player back and contract back uh, and then a couple smaller ones, contracts back. But um, I don't know that you'd want to do that. So
0: it's uh, anyway, so Rubio would be my number seven guy. See, I don't have rubio protected and it is literally nothing but a gamble that he would make it through due to his age and contract and just hoping that a expansion team isn't going to take off of the players that i've left unprotected a 30 year old point guard making 17 million dollars a year
1: yeah i mean especially if they're in it's only so that they can use them as an asset to trade the following year right you're not gonna be a 30 year old point guard so they're gonna take them for the same reason
0: i'm keeping them yeah i mean he's he's in my i want to keep him but he's not at risk category of players and i may be totally off on that and i mean we'll never find out because it's not gonna be a thing but but i would i want rubio on this team i just kept him out of my top eight because i think he'd be safe you know he's he's another guy like we've talked about who's improved dramatically since Towns has come back I mean over the last five (sighs) games he's averaging 12 points a game on 42% shooting which isn't great but it's it's 41% from three nine assists and 3.2 rebounds so I mean he's he's taken over that starting spot since Russell went down and he's he's running with it and he's looked like the Rubio that we expected to come in at this offseason so right and so
1: that might be recency bias for why I'm protecting him
0: because last night he had one of those great games I mean he was horrendous for the first 20 games of this season and right right it's been a real pleasure and a, and a real joy to watch the old Ricky Rubio back out there again, you know, whipping passes around, finding cutters, you know, well, doing his those thing so,
1: last night. were just yeah. sick. I mean, there was just, he was so fun last night. Mm-hmm. That was his best game by far. I felt like
0: so bringing uh, Kevin Garnett back in Rubio has now tied Kevin Garnett with uh for games with 20 points and 10 assists uh, in a oh. Timberwolves uniform. So Rubio has 12, 12 for the wolves and 25 total over his career. So, uh, That's
1: probably though in, more impressive than it sounds in the sense that Rubio's played far less game for the Timberwolves than Garnett did probably to get mm-hmm, that record. Mm-hmm. Whereas the other ones that you're comparing between Towns and Garnett, you know, yeah, like I mean, Garnett played more games, but Towns has played more games yeah. for the Wolves. He had to then Ricky has so you know so far because even add both stints together. I'm trying to think of how many games, just trying to do the rough math, but. Um, but anyway, like it that's that's more impressive than it sounds on the face of it. I mean, I know Garnett's a power forward, and how many games did he have ten assists? But yeah. he played what twelve years here or whatever. Yeah. So. so
0: I mean, Ricky's Ricky's great. I love Ricky. I'm he's I'm never gonna give up on Ricky, and he's always gonna be allowed to be on my team. I just like I said, it was a one hundred percent gamble that he wouldn't be taken. Otherwise, I would have had in my top eight. If you told me that some a team was leaning towards him, I'd bump another guy out in in a second. So
1: we essentially had. You kept DeLo and I kept Ricky for yeah. essentially the exact same reasons. Yeah. <laughs> that you know, not... and I kept
0: Vanderbilt and you kept uh McLaughlin for the exact same reasons. So
1: exactly. And there's similar levels. I mean, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think D'Lo's better than Ricky, but I don't think it's I trash if Ricky plays like he did last night, he's not better than Ricky.
0: Right. I, I think I think the only the difference is not that D'Angelo is better than Ricky. I'd say that for the Timberwolves to reach their potential as a team, he needs to be better than Ricky. Like that's the gamble that Rosas has taken. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we've, I don't think he's been given the opportunity to know yet. It's due to the health and towns missing so many games. So um, I agree with that. So we each have one spot left in our top eight. Um, I had three guys listed as contenders, um, largely because of age and position and role um how many guys are you did you debate over for this last spot uh,
1: three as well two were a little bit more tough for me to decide one of which was vanderbilt um and then i ultimately chose this the the other guy but um i i did have three in this group and there was two that kind of separated them even from the the third guy for me
0: okay so coming in third for me and this is we just talked about recency bias this might be totally that too but is josh akogi i, I couldn't put Kogi in my top eight he's just He's proven himself almost unplayable on offense. And it's a real shame because he's one of the team's only good defensive players. And up until 10 games ago, he was considered one of the, the core players of this team because he's the second longest tenured Wolf. He's he's really just a guy that you could plug and play in a bunch of different positions. But he just his inability to shoot and, and his inability to really thrive as a power forward and play in the dunker spot has just left him without even a role on the floor. He hasn't even gotten on the floor the last couple of games because he just can't find a, a way to impact the game on offense in a positive manner. And he severely negatively impacts the game on the offense event. So, um, I wanted him to be in my top eights because he, of how much he's meant to this team and this community. And the fact that, um, you know, everybody loves Josh Akogi, but I just, ugh, I couldn't do it.
1: Well, um, my third guy on the list was Jalen Noel. Um, for similar reasons, we talked about some of these other guys that are kind of on the, fringe, the mm-hmm. Vanderbilts and, and McLaughlins. I, I don't think people know enough about him across the league sure. to value him the same way Timberwolves fans would value him. So mm-hmm. I think he would be relatively safe. Um, I also don't see him as a long-term starter. So, you know, similar to McLaughlin, there, I don't think McLaughlin's a long-term starter either. Um, but I do think point guard is a more important position to have yeah. than a combo guard like uh, Noel. Um, even though I like Noel a lot, um, but, you know, you can only protect eight. So he was – of the three that I was debating, he was the third one. And then my second one, I'll, I'll just start – go to that one because mm-hmm. we've already talked about him a lot, was Vanderbilt. Um, and for, you know, all the reasons we talked about when we talked about him for, as one of your picks, he, he just – Again, I don't think people across the league realize how good he is, so I think I could sneak him under the radar um, without people really realizing it, and I think they would take one of my other guys before they take him. I think even, as crazy as it sounds, I think other teams would probably take Wancho before they would take Vanderbilt because they know more about what Wancho does. He he can shoot threes, and that's such a premium in this era of the NBA. So if you're an expansion team, I could see a Wancho going before Vanderbilt, so I just was like, well— I'll I'll chance it, um, and so I, I ultimately that's what gave the edge to the guy I ultimately picked for my eighth spot.
0: Okay, so I've got in my ninth spot one spot ahead of Josh Akogi, a very similar player in Jared Culver. I I didn't feel comfortable putting him in, him in either because it's kind of the sunk cost fallacy at this point. It's I don't want to just keep hammering that that nail because I think eventually it'll it'll go in straight. It's just kind of um he was a high draft pick and he had a lot of potential and I think the team wanted him to be a thing but at this point he hasn't shown really anything in you know just over a year of of play and in two years he's going to be owed 8.1 million and that contract is just going to keep rising and even more so than Akogi's is so um, I think his contract is going to far outweigh his his value so um I wish I was wrong. I wish I mean we saw him in the preseason. he was one of the bright spots. He played two good games at the start of the year when the team was playing well, and then he just without towns on the floor without that fulcrum in there to really pull the defense away from him he just his shot's fallen off again, and he just hasn't been the same player so
1: yeah, I agree. I didn't have him in my top eight either, and he wasn't even in my mm-hmm. that that last tier of three guys for me to even consider, and partly because I do think leaving him exposed, he'd probably be the guy that an expansion team would take because he's only 21 yeah a former number five overall pick um he could be you know maybe with a a new change of scenery he would be able to sort of reach some of that potential that he clearly has um but on this team i you know if you look at the guys that i save which in, in beasley and and i i I, ne- I can't see culver ever taking over their spots no um and he's too expensive to come off the bench for me and so i just don't know how i could possibly protect him so he i he wasn't even really a consideration for me. In fact, he was one of my easiest ones to say, I'm going to leave him unprotected just because he he's redundant to so many of the guys that I wanted to keep.
0: So so now I'm trying to figure out who you're going to have as your eighth guy because I think, correct me if I'm wrong, the only guys we haven't talked about so far are Jake Lehman, Wancho Hernan Gomez, and Ed Davis. So it's, it's got to be one of those three, right? It's Wancho. It's Wancho. No, i I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> I was, we were done with this podcast. I did, I was, this is the last episode of Howl History. Chad and I are no longer talking.
1: It's actually Joshua Kogi, and I, and I purposely, okay. I, I kind of yep. uh, snuck that past you by not mentioning or didn't say anything about him because I didn't want to okay. talk about my reasons for that. But I mean, me, thank human... God at
0: this point, if, if with those <laughs> other guys is the only options left, I'm, I'm really like, happy you're keeping Josh Kogi. Yeah.
1: Well, and it's him and Vanderbilt are very similar, you yep. know, both hustle guys and stuff. But I already had the bigs, the three bigs. That's why Vanderbilt, that's why Vanderbilt and Okogie were so close for me. And then I ultimately was like, okay, well, I already got three bigs. I do also have three, three. Well, oh, I had two wings, Ant and um, mm-hmm. and uh, Beasley. Beasley. But yep. Okogie can play every position on the floor, but center. And yeah, his offense has been atrocious. And if you would have asked me last week, I probably. He would have been my number one guy. I left him protected because I was so frustrated with him because he just seemed to have a perpetual green light and shot every time he mm-hmm. touched the ball. And um, but the one thing you can't ignore about him is he is an exceptional defensive player. And you can put him on. I mean, you know, I know it's we yeah. talked about in the past about the beginning of the season. He goes from like a, a Donovan Mitchell to LeBron to Damian Lillard. To, I mean, he's defending all the best players regardless of position. Um, and you don't. If that's hard to do, and you can do that. Take him off the bench. He can become your Tony Allen for this team, mm-hmm. um, and that's got a lot of value, and you're getting him at a fraction of what Culver would cost, who doesn't do anything better than Okogie? So, to me, I would—I um, mean, he does some things better, but yeah. not drastically better, not to a point where I'm willing to pay an extra $5 million or whatever it is to him. Um, so— Okoge became my eighth guy it, like I said it was really down between Okoge and Vanderbilt and because I had so many other bigs I also think more teams know who Okoge is yeah personally because that playoff stop against Harden he got I mean I think GMs are in the league recognize him as like he's a damn good defensive player mm-hmm. and yeah he can't play offense but not every team expects all five guys to shoot there's lots of teams in this league who are really good better than the Wolves who have a guy out there that all they do is play defense right and, and that's going to require balling. better
0: coaching but
1: yep exactly and and in our system everybody's got a green light there is no pecking order everybody's equal which i hate but that's that's not josh's fault that's yeah. the yeah. system's fault and so um i'm not going to throw away a good player because uh, he's put into a system where he's treated equally as carl anthony towns on offense that's just not mm-hmm. fair to him um so that's yeah that's i mean my... I
0: i'm not going to argue with you on keeping joshikogi in that spot and like i said he was in my contender spot and i i went back and forth with with kind of all three of these guys a bit and my last one who you mentioned earlier was Jalen noel and he, he'd be in my eighth spot and and i think largely because like we talked about with Nas earlier he's got two more years at the minimum coming up even after this one and he's if we're looking at the year over year improvement of a guy like Nas and how much he's stepped up and, and grown noel's done the same thing and I, I think that iowa wolves team down there has has been a real boon for this organization with M- McLaughlin and Nas and Noel all finding their groove and figuring out the system and improving year over year, which I don't think we've been able to say about Wolves teams in the past. They've never really shown the ability to improve end of the bench type talent. So um, he came in as a second round pick last year. and Another great find by Rosas right, in last year's draft. So he's, he's league average PER already as a second year player, um, which I think is a lot, you know, says a lot about how much he's improved. His usage rate is similar to Ants uh, already. So when he's on the floor, he's he's shooting the ball, and even more so to the fact that his assist rate on the team is ninth on the team, and it's even lower than Nas. So he he's not passing the ball. Like I I thought like maybe he's like a a, Lou, a poor man Lou's poor man's Lou Williams like for the Clippers. He's like a sixth man of the year type player, and even Lou Williams has like a 30 percent assist rate when he's on the floor. He's handling the ball, but he's moving around. He's finding open guys, and that's kind of his value. I mean. Noel's out there. He's got like a nine percent assist rate. He's not moving the ball. He's just going out there to be a microwave and score. And we've seen guys like that. We've seen the Jamal Crawford. We've seen. I was gonna say that's yeah. who he reminds me of is yeah. Jamal
1: Crawford. He's it, a you know he's a bucket.
0: Right. Somebody out there he, just to be a bucket. And you know if if that's a guy that you can get to, if if him and Nas can come in and really hold down the offense on that second unit, I mean we need more defense on this team. And I know that's the value that Josh Okogie could have provided if I you know kept him. And like I said, we're only losing one of these players in an expansion right. draft, so it's not like we're losing everything, but. Well, you know,
1: it's funny. So it, it's, you know, so I, I debated between on my eighth one between Vanderbilt and Okogie, mm-hmm. But I actually debated on my my tier above between Ricky and Noel. Yeah, um, because for some you know, kind of similar reasoning. Now, if I was like if I knew Seattle was one of the expansion teams that we're protecting guys from, I probably would keep Noel over right ricky because they want the because, local guy
0: yeah exactly yeah. so then
1: you know I'm, I'm kind of playing it that way I, so i think noel would go under the radar and i by all means would want to keep him on this team uh, i would keep him over you know culver and harpy mm-hmm. ed davis wancho layman i mean all, all those guys i'd keep him over um so it's really down to just vanderbilt and like i said the only reason why i protected ricky over those guys is because i to me I feel like somebody might snatch him because yeah. of his expiring deal so uh, I can't argue with that cause I really like Noel and similar to what I was saying about Okogie can play four positions Noel can play three you know two competent you know pretty competently and and he could you could put him at small forward if you're playing small ball Um, he, so you can he's versatile off the bench you can mix you know mix him in for a couple different spots and that's valuable when you're taking a guy or you're protecting a guy that's really just a bench player for you
0: yeah so so my top eight to review are Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, Malik Beasley, Jane McDaniels, Nas Reed, Jared Vanderbilt, D'Angelo Russell, and Jalen Noel. And yours, you had the same top four. You had Carl, Anthony, uh, Malik, and Jaden, And Nas was your fifth, right? So we had the top, same top five.
1: And then McLaughlin was my sixth. Okay. And seventh was Ricky, and eighth was Okoge.
0: Yeah, so... I think we had different reasons for keeping the guys that we did or protecting the guys that we did. Um, and I think we see both sides of the, the same coin. Um, as long as neither of us kept Wancho, I'm happy with this exercise.
1: <laughs> and I do like Wancho better than you, but not <laughs> enough to hold
0: as one of my eight. No.
1: <laughs> I would have probably kept him over Culver. That would have been the debate for me between Wancho and Culver. Who would you keep? Who would, you, you would keep I, Culver because you I, were debating debate
0: yeah, I'd, I'd bet on culver getting better more than i i bet on wancho finding a role on defense on this team
1: but even if culver gets better does he find a role with beasley and i don't care (laughs) and noel you got a lot of wings i do you got a lot of a lot of bigs (laughs) so well Well, yeah i I mean you did have four bigs what do you need wancho for
0: right yeah he's out so i'd rather keep jake layman at that point but i think you would too i would yeah so well, that's uh, that's it, Chad. We we protected our eight guys. Uh, we'll see who Seattle takes, uh, and then we'll we'll move forward from there. It's uh, it's been fun. I think this is a, a very cool exercise, kind of to take a look at who's going to be most valuable for this team moving forward, who not only for this year but the years to come, and who we would really value in terms of a team building uh, exercise. So, uh, thanks for coming on, Chad. Uh, it's yep. been a joy, and uh, we'll you. we'll do this again next week for another historical episode. We'll bring it back to 1990 awesome all righty man catch you then take care bye